Outrage indeed was the torment inflicted on young Victor Hatherley, and clearly a case for my friend Sherlock Holmes. My name is Dr. Watson, and I was privileged to share the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I will tell you about the case of the engineer's thumb. It began with myself asleep and little suspecting the emergency that was to awake me in just a few moments. What is it? Who is it? Oh, well, come in, then, come in. Sir, there's been an accident, sir. Someone from the railway. Accident on the railway? No, it's someone from the railway, sir, from Paddington. They're downstairs in the consulting room. Oh, very well, Lucy. Say, I'll be down in a couple of moments, will you, then? I won't keep on waiting. Morning, Dr. Watson. Oh, morning, God. Haven't seen you around for some weeks now, sir. Well, what is it today? It's this gent here, sir. His hand. In a pretty bad way, it looks to me. One of your men? No, sir. A passenger. Came in by train from Readingway just now. Asked where he could find a doctor quick, so I brought him round here. Bit early, I know, sir. Oh, that's right, God. Well, let's have a look at him. Well, if it's all the same to you, sir, I must be getting along again. But my duty, same as you have, sir. Quite right. Thank you, then. Don't mention it, Dr. Watson. Goodbye, old chap. Hope you'll be all right. Oh, thanks. Now, then, let's, uh, let's have a look. Your hand, eh? My, my thumb. Off. What? Right off. Oh, hold on a moment, brother. While well, I get this handkerchief away. I'm afraid this will hurt. Ah, careful, steady, steady, steady. There. Oh, by George. Bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, soon I get this cleaned up, the better. Ah, then. Swab. Yeah. Wound like this must have bled terribly. It did. I fainted at first. Maybe. When I came round, it was still bleeding, so I, I wound the handkerchief tight with that twig. That stopped it. Lucky if you knew, you knew what to do. Common sense. Matter of hydraulics, that's all. Huh? Hydraulics? Hydraulic principle. Cut off the flow from the pump. Uh, I'm an engineer, you can probably guess. Hatherley, Victor Hatherley, Victoria Street. How did it happen? Looks as though something heavy and sharp did it. Some kind of knife. Only it wasn't an accident, Doctor. Not an accident? It was a murderous attack. An attack. Oh. Oh, just a moment. Oh, this, this must be kept up with a sling. Yeah, good. Then I think you ought to tell me a bit more. Yes, I'll be glad to tell someone. I suppose I'll have to tell it all to the police soon enough. I'll tell you the truth, though. If it weren't for this wound, I, I doubt they'd believe a word of it. it. It's an extraordinary story, and I haven't another shred of proof behind look, me. Look here, Hadley, before you go any further, I, I, I think I might be able to help you. What more can you do? I don't know whether you caught my name, Watson. Uh, it might mean something to you if I mention the name of Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes? You mean you're the Dr. Watson? I am. Well, well, I, I, I was going to say that from the sound of your case so far, this is just the sort of matter for my friend. If, if your tale's half so strange as you say, you'll find a ready listener in Sherlock Holmes, I can promise you. Oh, my dear sir, you're looking a new man already. Now then, 
Begin at the beginning and take your time. Well, you must know first that I live alone in lodgings in town. I set up in business as a hydraulic engineer a couple of years ago with a legacy after my father died. I'd done seven years' apprenticeship before that with Venner and Matheson at Greenwich. Well, I suppose most people find starting up on their own a bit sticky. During these two years, Mr. Holmes, I've had three consultations and one small job. I've made exactly £27.10 gross. Well, anyway, what I was leading up to was that yesterday, just as I was thinking of packing up for yet another empty day, my clerk came in with a card. The poor fellow was a surprise. To see you, sir. To to see me? Well, yes, sir. To see you. Is that his card? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, thank you. Colonel Lysander Stark. Oh, well, and show him in at once. At once. Right away, Mr. Hathaway. Uh, will you step this way, sir? You're just lucky to catch Mr. Hathaway at a free moment. Oh, is that so? Colonel Lysander Stark, sir. Uh, pleased to meet you, sir. Uh, thank you, Robinson. Very good, sir. Pray have a seat, sir. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Hathaway, you have been recommended to me as a man who is not only proficient in his profession, but who is also discreet and capable of preserving a secret. I have a professional commission for you in which secrecy is essential. Absolute secrecy. I give you my word. Splendid. But I'd be grateful if you'd state your business now, Colonel. My, um, <clears throat> my time is valuable. Really? Well, uh... How would 50 guineas for a night's work suit you? 50 guineas? Most admirably. I say a night's work, but an hour's would be nearer the mark, really. I simply want your opinion about the hydraulic stamping machine which has got out of gear. If you show us what is wrong with it, we'll set it right ourselves. Now, how does that suit you? Is that all? Yes. Only we shall want you to come tonight. That's why we are prepared to pay rather highly. Where must I come to? To a fort in Berkshire. There's a train from Paddington that will get you there about 11.15. It's the last train. If you will come on that, I will meet you at Aford Station. Our place is about seven miles from the station. How shall I get back? Uh, we will give you a shakedown for the night. Oh, boy. oh, it's no trouble. Well, it's rather awkward. My um, early appointment's tomorrow, Mr. Hathaway, <laughs> forgive me for doubting that you are as occupied as you would have me believe. It's to recompense you for whatever inconvenience you might meet that we are prepared to pay a young and unknown man like you the sort of fee that would buy an opinion from the very heads of your profession. I repeat, we prefer you to come on the train I have mentioned. Very well, I'll come. Mr. Hazelwood, you are aware that Fuller's Earth is a valuable product in this country. Certainly. I believe it's only found in one or two places. That is so. Well, some little time ago, I bought this place of mine not far from Reading, and I found the deposit of Fuller's Earth in one of my fields. Really? Not only that, I have since discovered that this quite small deposit happens to be just a link between two very much larger ones. Both of these are in the grounds of my neighbors. Well, naturally, when I found this out, I had to take steps to buy their land as quickly as possible. Well, naturally. But I had no capital of my own. So, I had to take the opinion of a few friends. But to cut a long story short, from my friends' money and what I could raise, we erected a hydraulic press on our site, and we've been working away ever since. This is the press which has now broken down. I see. Of course, the whole operation is highly secret one. 
And if it became known that hydraulic engineers of all people were visiting our little house, it would be goodbye to any chance of getting those fields, you understand? Yes, of course, but... I... And now, Mr. Hathaway, I really must be going. I shall see you tonight, then. Oh, yes, I'll be there. But, but one question more, Colonel Stark. Yes? Isn't full of earth dug out like gravel from a pit? That is true. Then I don't quite see... Ah, forgive me, Mr. Hathaway. You were wondering about the hydraulic plate. Oh, yes. We have our own process, you see. We compress the fuller's earth into bricks so that they can be removed without any danger of people who might see them realizing what they are. And now, goodbye to you. I shall be waiting for you at 8 at 11.15 tonight. A singular interview, Mr. Hathaway. Eh, Watson? They are indeed. Still, I suppose I can see the point of it all. Fifty guineas for a night's work makes a convincing argument. I won't deny it, Mr. Holmes. You told no one about it? No, I kept my promise exactly. Pray go on with your story. Well, I got to Aford on time. I was the only passenger getting down there. Colonel Sark was waiting for me outside the wicket gate. He didn't say anything, just grasped my arm and hustled me over to a carriage standing with his doors open. As soon as we were in, he wrapped on the woodwork and away we went, as hard as the horse could go. One horse? Yes, only one. Did you observe the color? Yes, I saw it by the side lights when I was stepping into the carriage. It was a chestnut. Tired looking or fresh? Oh, fresh and glossy. Thank you. I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Oh, not at all. Well, we were driving for at least an hour. Uh, the rate we were going and the time we took, I'd say it was more like 12 miles than the seven he told me. I couldn't see out of the windows, and the colonel wasn't inclined to talk. Did you notice what the roads were like? Their surface? Oh, pretty rough. We jolted and lurched most of the way. I see. Uh, go on, then. We suddenly came off the roads onto a smooth driveway, and we soon pulled up. Straight away, Colonel Stark had the door open and hustled me into the house where we'd stopped. It was done so quickly, I hadn't even time to see what the place looked like. It was pitch dark inside. While the colonel was fumbling about for matches, a door opened at the end of the hall and a woman came through with a lamp in her hand. She spoke to the colonel in German. Can you follow German, Mr. Hathaway? Well, I can read it slightly, but something spoken is beyond me too fast and complicated. But it was German, they spoke. Oh, without a doubt. Well, what I could see was that whatever the colonel told her gave her a bit of a shock. She gave quite a start. Then he took the lamp from her and pushed her off in the way she'd come. He motioned me through a door leading off the hall. Perhaps you have the kindness to wait in this room for a few minutes. I shall not keep you waiting long. Oh, that's quite all right, Colonel Stark. Secretary and manager, Mr. Ferguson. How do you do? How do you do? Well, now, we had better proceed to business. Mr. Ferguson and I will take you up to see the machine. Or you can leave your hat here. We do not have to go out of the house. You mean you dig full of earth, 
In the house? No, 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 no. This is only where we compress it. <laughs> but you will see. Please, Well, Mr. Hackley, we are now actually inside the hydraulic press. The ceiling of this small chamber is really the end of the descending piston. It comes down slowly with the force of many tons upon this metal floor. The walls here are wood. Oh, yes, I see. Well, and what's the trouble? There are small lateral columns of water outside which receive the force and transmit and multiply it in a way which is, of course, familiar to you. Oh, yes. It has been suggested that perhaps there is the defect somewhere. The machine goes readily enough, but there is some stiffness in the working of it, and it seems to have lost some of its force. From what there is to see in here, though, I'm sure you're right in believing the defect is somewhere on the outside. Perhaps if I may have a look there? Of course, after you, Mr. Hattery. Thank you. Oh, that's better. There's not much room in there, is there? No. But it's an enormous press you have here all the same, Mr. Ferguson. Quite so. Quite so. Uh, now, Mr. Happily. Uh, yes, I see. Um, where are the controls? Here. May I test it? Anything you like. Good. Ah, yes. Yes, it's quite obvious. You have found it already. Oh, just let me see. Yes. Yes, here it is. This rubber around the end of this driving rod here. It's quite perished. It's not quite filling the socket as it moves along and the water's getting by. That's all your trouble is, Canister. Well, then, we are very grateful for you, Mr. Hattery. Very grateful indeed, eh, Ferguson? Absolutely. Very quick work. I think I ought to take one more glance inside just to make absolutely sure. If you think it is necessary. I don't want to see if any water is leaking through this way. The lamp a little more, please. Or perhaps if I may have it. Yes. Oh, thank you. No, no, nothing. Then your diagnosis is complete. Well, Colonel Starr, if you want my final opinion about the condition of your press, it would be better if you told me what it's really used for. That could make a difference. I have told you. Pressing full of dirt. Oh, Colonel, excuse me. I, I'm not a fool. No one in this world would use a machine this size for such a minor process. And this metallic deposit on the floor. That's not full of dirt, now, is it? Mr. Hattery, you are altogether too inquisitive. Very well. You wish to know more about the working of this machine. You shall. You can stay here and investigate it as closely as you wish. Open the door. You hear me? Don't stop. I demand you open the door at once. This is an outrage. No. No, you can't do this. I demand you let me out. Colonel. For mercy's sake, let me out. Oh, God. Oh. No. Oh, dear. Mind this night! 
Get back, I say. John! My grip loosened. I, I felt myself falling. Then I knew nothing more. Well, take it easy, old chap. That's enough for the time being. Yeah. I don't think you ought to go on now, Holmes. I know, Watson, but it's imperative that we have Mr. Hathaway's story complete in every detail. There's no time to waste. Can you stand it, Hathaway? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm much better now. Oh. If you fell unconscious into their own garden, Mr. Hathaway, how is it that they didn't secure you immediately? I shall never know, Mr. Holmes. But perhaps the villain was softened by the woman's entreaties. I hardly think that likely. I never saw a more inexorable face in my life. Mm. Well, then? Well, the funny thing is that when I did come round and remembered what had happened, I, I found myself lying in a hedgerow next to a road. My toes were sodden with dew and my coat sleeve was drenched with blood. I did my best with my hands with my handkerchief and a twig. Yes, just as well you did. Yes. Well, after a bit, I got up onto the road, and, you know, I found I was only a stone's throw away from Aford Station, where the colonel had met me the night before. You could have made your way there in a semi-conscious state. You wouldn't necessarily remember doing so. I suppose it's possible. Anyway, I got to the station, there was a train almost due. I thought the best thing was to get in it and get back to town. So on the way to Paddington, I asked the guard if he could get me to a doctor as soon as we arrived, and fortunately he knew you, Dr. Watson. Well, Holmes, what do you say? Just hand me that book for the blue back, Watson. Which one, this? No, no, no. Next shelf. Yeah? That's it. Oh. Now then, where is it? Just about a year ago, I think. What is all this? Just something which I think... Ah, yes. Here we are. Oh, I should explain, Mr. Hathaway. It's my practice to file miscellaneous items which strike me as curious in some way. Oh, I see. Listen to this, then. It was all in the papers about a year ago. Lost on the ninth inst. Mr. Jeremiah Hailing, age 26. A hydraulic engineer. Good Lord. Left his lodgings at 10 o'clock at night and has not been heard of since. Me. Mr. Hathaway, I fancy that represents the last time that the Colonel needed to have his machine overhauled. Good, good heavens. It's quite clear that Colonel Stark, if that's his name, is a cool and desperate man who is absolutely determined that nothing should interfere with his little game. Though what his game is, I think I can guess. But we must waste no time. If you feel up to it and Watson will allow you, I think you should come along to Scotland Yard with us this very minute. <laughs> you could come away at such short notice, Bradstreet. The yard doesn't always move so swiftly. Oh, come now, Mr. Holmes. You can't count many hours of your life spent waiting for me, can he, Dr. Watson? Take no notice of him, Inspector. That's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, not far to go now. I think we'd better have a look at that map. Certainly. Uh, see, here's Aford. As I said, I've drawn this circle at a radius of 12 miles from it. You reckon about 12 miles, don't you, Mr. Heatherly? Well, we were in the carriage a good hour. The roads were bad, but we moved along pretty well. 10 or 12, I say. Right. Then the place we're to look for must be somewhere along this 12-mile line. The only point is, 
Which direction did you go after leaving the station? I think I could lay my finger on the spot. Oh? You could, Mr. Holmes. Well, now, I almost did say you had six cents or something, but I'll wager it can't help you this time. What information have we got to help us? Nothing but an hour's fast carriage drive in the dark. It could have been in any direction at all. Now, for my part, I'd say we should look to the south. Why then? The country's more deserted that way. Uh, what about you, Hathaway? Well, I, I hardly know. West, perhaps? Several quiet little villages that way. Mm-hmm. What? Well, it could be north. Because there are no hills there, and our friend says he didn't notice the carriage going up in it. Ah, a nice little piece of deduction. Well, that leaves only one point of the compass left, and then we've got it boxed between us. But what do you say to east, Mr. Holmes? I'm afraid I can't oblige you, Inspector. North, south, east, west, none of them will do. But they can't all be wrong. No, Holmes. Yeah, is the spot, gentlemen. But that's Aford itself, the center of the circle. Precisely. I don't get you at all, Mr. Holmes. Ten miles, five out and five back. Twelve, six out, six back. It's quite simple. Holmes, I don't see at all. Oh, dear me, Watson, you were present all the time. Mr. Hathley was telling me his remarkable story. Yes. Do you not remember my question about the appearance of the carriage horse? Oh, yes, yes. You asked him its color. Yes. And he told me chestnut, that there was something else. Uh, let, let me think. Wait a minute. I remember. You asked whether I thought the horse tired looking or fresh. And you replied? Fresh and glossy. You're sure of that now? Absolutely certain. There you are, Bradstreet. Colonel Stark drove to the station to meet Mr. Hathaway. How far had he come? Ten or twelve miles over country roads and arrived with his animal fresh and glossy? (laughs) Not he. If he drove half a mile, I'd be surprised. (laughs) But he was taking no chances of Mr. Hathaway remembering their route. He found it well worthwhile taking him an hour's drive out into the country and back to throw him well off the set. <sighs> ah, and this, if I'm not mistaken, is our destination. No, gentlemen, I don't think we shall have to stray far from Aford to find our quarry. Now, that is, unless they've anticipated our coming. Tickets. Uh, tickets, please, James. Uh, here you are. <laughs> Aford on fire, Porter? You might think so, sir. Been going all day, they have. Some of the engines come right out from Reading, I hear. What is it, then? A big house across the way, Dr. Breach's place. Started burning in the night. Ask me, they won't save a stick of it. Great old place like tinder. Dr. Beecher? A German gentleman by any chance? Uh, Not he, sir. English as they come. Funny you should mention it, though. There's a foreign gent staying with them, a patient, I understand, uh, and a young lady. Oh, very foreign she is. This Dr. Beecher, is he small and fat, red-faced? Yeah, that's right, sir. You, you know him, then? Ferguson. A big pardon? Oh, it doesn't matter. What's happened to these people? Well, they must have got away. No sign of them inside, according to the firebrand. Yeah, but I've heard they did find one curious thing on a, a windowsill of the second floor. What was that? A newly severed human Um, I wonder how that came to be there. Yes, I wonder. Oh, well, thank you, Porter. Here you are. Oh, uh, thank you, sir. Uh, Come along, gentlemen. We might as well fill in time till the next train back. 
One doesn't see a good fire every day. You mean it's all over, Mr. Holmes? So far as you are concerned, happily, yes. Don't you agree, Inspector? Sure, but what about Stark, the other fellow and the girl? Well, of course, we can always keep our eyes open for them in the crowd, but I very much fear they're a good hundred miles off by now. But the fire, Mr. Holmes, how did it start? Well, at a guess, I'd be inclined to say that when the press came down to the floor of that room where you nearly lost your life, it smashed the lamp the Colonel had left with you, and that started a fire going. The walls were wooden, you said. That's right. And you think they sheared off when they saw what had happened? If they did any sense. Well, at least they had the humanity to carry you out alive beside the road. The girl must have persuaded them. Of course, there could be no doubt as to the nature of this gang. Oh, none at all. They are coiners on a large scale. They needed the machine to form the amalgam they've been using in place of silver. This all ties in with some inquiries we've had on our hands for longer than I like to admit. Uh, it's pity about your thumb, sir. But if it hadn't been for your going to Dr. Watson and one thing and another, I... Yes, I see your point, Inspector. It's not much consolation to me. I've lost my thumb. I've lost a 50-guinea fee. What have I gained? <laughs> experience, my dear sir. There's nothing so valuable as experience, they say. Find the right formula of words for this bizarre tale of yours. And you'll be able to dine out on it for the rest of your day. Eh, Watson? Oh, really? one of the stories of Sherlock Holmes from the inspired pen of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. My real name is Norman Shelley. My friend Carlton Hobbs played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. Michael Hardwick wrote our script for this BBC production from London. I hope I may look forward to the pleasure of your company again soon for more of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes.